Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples hello, who live hello. in Hello, hello. Happy Jesus. Sunday, everybody. So How are we? We doing good? Um, hi, is everybody there? Where is everyone? Come sit down. Woo, hello. Jeez, that was right in the eyes. Thank you, Peyton. Hey, come and sit down. If you guys are over in the snack corner, there'll be plenty of time for that afterwards. Um, welcome to high school ministry. For those of you that have never been here before, hello, my name is Sophia. I'm the associate director of HSM. This is the best job in the whole wide world. Um, but just want to formally and personally welcome you to high school ministry. So um, we have been in a series during uh, the last five weeks. We decided today it was five weeks that we've been in the series called Yes, I Will. And so how many of you guys have been here for at least one of the other Yes, I Will uh, sermons. Yeah, awesome. Pastor Drew has been absolutely slaying talking about uh, the book of Daniel. And so we are going to hop right in. Let me pray for us and then uh, we will get going. Lord Jesus, we love you in this house. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you put uh, people like Daniel in your word so that we could learn from him. But ultimately, Jesus, without you, we are nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. But in you, Jesus, we have everything that you paid for with your blood. So we thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence here in this house tonight, Lord. Let everything that goes forth tonight be fruitful and fragrant unto your heart. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Who remembers what happened like two minutes before the last time I spoke? Anybody remember? There was a baby that was born. So I wanted to just show you really quick. There she is. My newest... Look at her squishy! My newest, uh, my best friend just had her fourth kid. Good Lord. I love her to death, but I'm like, dang, she's got, she's outnumbered two times over. Uh, but this is Eden. This is my newest niece, if you will. And I got to spend a week with her in South Carolina, and it was just a blast. So anyways, I just want to give you an update, mostly for the girls. I know some of you guys care. We just won't say who you are, but you, I know you care. Um, but that's her, so... Anyways, for the last five weeks, we have been talking about, yes, I will. We've been talking about, yes, I will remain, right? Yes, I will remain in the face of culture trying to shove things onto me. I will remain steadfast in the Lord. This story was pulled out of when Daniel and his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, chose to eat vegetables and water instead of the king's delicacies and ended up being stronger better, faster Kanye song than the rest of the people that were eating of the king's delicacies. Yes, I will speak up. And this came from the Daniel chapter two, where Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has a dream that needs an interpretation. And so Daniel chooses to interpret it and save the lives of all the other magicians in Babylon. Yes, I will hold fast, right? When the writing on the wall came down to uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, the king that uh, preceded or succeeded him, that no, instead of using the, the things of the house of the Lord for just parties and, and just lewdness and whatever it may have brought about, that we are going to hold fast, that we are going to stand up in the presence of God instead of bow our knee to culture. And last but not least, last week we talked about speaking the truth. Yes, I will say what is true, even in the face of the enemy. And so here we are, we're at the fifth week. We're going to have such a great time today. Today we are talking about, yes, I will stand alone even when nobody stands with me. Say, yes, I will stand, yes, I will stand. Even, if I'm alone. even if I'm alone. 
So we are going straight out of Daniel chapter six. If you have your Bibles with you or your phones, you can flip there. Uh, love the sounds of a turning page Bible. Uh, but Daniel chapter six, verse three says this. Then Daniel became distinguished over, uh, or excuse me, above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Verse four, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault. So basically, what is a satrap? I have no idea. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing the word satrap correctly. But what I do know is that the satraps, magicians, and all the wise men of Babylon were fighting to be the king's fave. So, right, they're fighting to be Nebuchadnezzar's favorite, then he dies, and Belshazzar replaces him, and they're dying to be his favorite, right, to be the wisest, to be the most incredible, the most uh, just intelligent, to help out the king wherever he needs. But Daniel keeps just rising above all of them. Like at this point, Daniel's probably 35 to 40 years into the kingdom of Babylon. Homeboy was taken out of Jerusalem. He was stripped away of everything that made him who he was, his name, his manhood, his culture, all of it completely stripped away from him. And he just keeps rising to the top, not just because he's a cool guy, not because he's intelligent, not because he can read the old uh, scriptures, which half of them weren't even written yet because he's right in the smack middle of the Bible, right? The only reason Daniel is succeeding in this culture, into this absolutely gruesome and ruthless culture of Babylon, the only reason he's succeeding is because of one person, and that is the Lord. It's the only reason. This is why he was rising above. And so King Darius is the king that we're in the kingdom of now, right? This is Daniel, I believe his third king that he served under. And Darius actually really liked Daniel, he liked him so much, not just because of what the Lord was doing in him, but he liked his personality. He liked who he was. And so you have this king who loves Daniel, not just because he can actually prove himself, but because he likes him just as a person, who raises him as high up in the kingdom as he possibly can, except for above himself. And so the high officials and the satraps are like, uh-uh, not in our kingdom. So they're looking for a reason to get on Daniel. They're like, does he party? No. Does he lie? No. Does he smell? No, right? They're looking for every single thing that they could possibly point out in Daniel and be like, can we find a complaint against him? And verse four literally tells us that they cannot find a complaint against him because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. So the men in verse five say, we can't find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Wow. When someone comes looking for you to strike a complaint or a persecution against you, is the thing that they look at your relationship with God? Because I've looked at my own life and I'm like, no, there are 7,000 other reasons why somebody could find a complaint against me. Yet in Daniel, they couldn't find a single thing. So they're like, listen, if we're going to trap this guy, if we're going to corner this guy into getting out of our kingdom and killing him, we have to do it in relation with his God. That's what we have to do because he's so faithful. He's so consistent. And God, whoever that is, right? This is the satraps talking. Whoever that is keeps getting in the way of us trying to kill this guy. Because this is like probably the third or fifth or 10th death threat against Daniel's life that he keeps escaping. 
So what do the satraps do? They do what's in their name and they trap King Darius. They trap him, right? I don't know again what satrap means, but it was just a fun play on words, okay? They trap King Darius, they force him into a corner and they basically say, listen, Darius, you're the greatest king in all the land, right? And this is how every person just, you know, feeds right into the ego of a king. Darius, you're the greatest king in all the land. Wouldn't it be great if for 30 days, a whole month, right? On a leap year, maybe 31 days, 30 days that you would be worshiped and no other God worshiped, that you would be the one held high and magnified and that nobody else could worship any other God for 30 days. Wouldn't that be just great? And Daniel, or not Daniel, excuse me, Darius is like, hmm, that sounds nice. So Darius, without realizing what he's doing, because he doesn't know that there's a scheme against Daniel, remember Daniel's his friend, signs this document, puts it in writing, and is like, absolutely, I would love to be praised for 30 days. Doesn't even look at the fact that the decree says that if you worship any other god in those 30 days, you get sent to the lion's den. So he signs this decree, and he's like, ah, that's, that's it. That's what I need. And then it comes to Daniel's doorstep. And in verse 10, it says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed. So Daniel was well aware what was going on. He was well aware that a, a decree was signed that was telling him to not worship his God for the next 30 days. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So this is important, this as he had done previously. They knew where to get Daniel because he has done this before. They knew where to find him. They knew that when we search for Daniel, when we try to find a complaint against Daniel, the only place that we're gonna get him in is, is his faith. And so they set the perfect trap for the perfect guy and in spite of that trap, he says, I'm going to worship anyways. Why? Because standing alone for the Lord is better than bowing my knee to any other God. That standing alone, even when nobody stands with me, is the better choice. It is the right choice than it is to bow my knee to any other God or deity that tries to say otherwise. So Daniel literally gets caught in the act of worshiping, right? What a foul thing to do. But he's breaking the law that Darius, the king, signed. And so they grab Daniel, they take him out of his house, and they take him and they hold him over the pit of lions, the den of lions. Now, let's just quickly dive into what a lion's den might look like. It's a hole in the ground, often a cave, a massive cave in the ground that gets covered by a stone in which lives probably between 10 to 30 lions that are not fed anything other than uh, treasoners. So these lions aren't getting fed three times a day and then people. These lions are only getting fed people. That's horrific. It's gruesome, it's disgusting, but it's exactly what Daniel's facing because he chose to stand alone. He's facing a den of lions and Darius the king is like, oh, good Lord, what did I do? We don't know if he said good Lord because was he believing in God? I don't know. But he's looking at this going, oh my gosh, I literally just sentenced my friend to death. 
And so in verse 16, I love this. In verse 16, it says, then the king, the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. But as he's going down, the king declares to Daniel, may your God, whom you continually serve, deliver you. What a remarkable life that Daniel must have lived for this Babylon, for the third Babylonian king to encounter Daniel, to say the God that you have served over and over and over again, that you have counted as faithful and I have watched him be faithful to you over and over and over again. Don't even worry, Daniel, your God's gonna keep you safe because you stood for him. It's not an easy thing to do. You know, this whole series hasn't been like, oh, gut reaction to the world persecuting me is, I'm gonna stand up in their faces and tell them they're all wrong. Because a guy that you can't see who died on a cross that you've never touched died for your sins and loves you, right? That's not like super easy, nor is it something that is tangible or grippable just in our, in our modern context, right? At all. So let's keep going and see what happens. Darius the king is tripping out. He's like, oh goodness. Now Daniel's in the lion's den. Probably looked a little something like this. He's like, Daniel's in the lion's den and I know his God is faithful. What, what if his God doesn't exist? I can't see his God. I can't feel his God. I can see my gods because they're golden idols and I know, but I can't relate to them. But maybe, Dan right, it's, it's like this. So it says that King Darius went back to the palace, literally didn't sleep a wink, got up the next day, probably at the crack of dawn, sun coming over the Babylonian hills, and he's like, I gotta go find Daniel. So he rushes out to the den of lions to see if Daniel's God came through. And so in verse 21, they take the stone away, right? Who else's story had a stone rolled away? Yeah, that's right. So they roll the stone away, and this is what Daniel says. Now, the fact that Daniel's even speaking right now is an amen hallelujah, because he shouldn't be speaking. We find out a little later what happens to other people that get thrown in the lion's den that don't have God at their side. It says, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad, so Darius is like, yay, he's alive, and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. You guys, this whole series, we've been talking about all these people that have these crazy persecutions faced, that they're facing. Let's even look at when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get tossed into the fiery furnace, right? They get thrown into the fiery furnace. God shows up in person, Jesus, the fourth man in the fire. There's another in the fire standing next to me. That's where that song comes from. There's a fourth man in the fire who unbinds them and releases them from this fiery furnace. And the, the Bible literally says specifically that they don't smell like smoke coming out of it. Daniel has no kind of harm not even a whisker on this guy. But he wasn't 
it wasn't just like, oh, nice little lions. Like, these are rap. When you go to the zoo and you go visit the lions, isn't it comforting to know that there's like a 10 foot chasm in between you, the fence, the chasm? Sorry, Mr. Speaker. Then the lions, right? There's a, there's a huge, it's like from me to that TV back there. That's how far away when you go to the zoo, the lions are from you. Because why? They're going to kill you if they get their paws on you. And Daniel gets chucked into a freaking cave with hundreds or dozens, whatever it was, of hungry lions. You guys, there are times in your life when you are going to be thrown into the den or the pit of evil and death and despair itself because of the name of Jesus, but you will come out safe on the other side. You will not come out smelling like smoke. You will not come out with a hair or a whisker or a scratch on you because God doesn't lie. The Bible specifically says that God is not a man that he should lie. He is not going to ask you to remain and hold fast and speak truth and stand up when you're all by yourself and then not deliver on your protection. That doesn't sound like the God that we serve. We're looking at a story right here where they threw him in a den of lions and he comes out untouched. But that's not the truth for everybody else that gets thrown in. In verse 24, Darius is like, psych, satraps are going in next. It says, and the king commanded, and uh, those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives, so whole family's going in, we're not leaving any remnant behind. And I, I love this scripture because it just shows the protection God had over Daniel. It says, and before they reached the bottom of the den, so satraps, magicians, all falling down, right? Lions get to them before they reach to the bottom of the den. The lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Our God is not teasing you with his protection. He's not teasing you with his love. He's not teasing you with life more abundant on the other side of having to stand up and hold fast and remain true or else this story is just a fairy tale. So I completely get, I promise you, I get it, that it's not easy for us to stand up here and ask you to hold fast, or to remain, or to stand up when you're alone. I was saying this morning, uh, brought, the Lord brought it back to my remembrance, that when I was in high school, the like, Right, a couple months after I graduated from high school, I had posted on Facebook. Do you guys know what that is? It's kind of old. <laughs> I posted on Facebook something about being a Christian or something like that, and that must have just been the ticking time bomb that my whole entire student body was waiting for because I lost every friend from high school the day I posted that. Every single friend. Their parents also chimed in, and everybody came after me. You make me sick. You're this. You're that. Everybody hates you. We all hated you in high school. Nobody told you. All this stuff. I mean, thing after thing after thing. It was like, whoa, what did I do? That's crazy. It was a couple months after. I was like, oh, I'm going to have these friends forever. Psych. <laughs> so I, I know the feeling. I know it's not easy. I even found out, this is hilarious because it's a yay for Jesus, but my goodness, 
It's been eight years since I graduated from high school, and there was a group of people who must have gotten together over like Thanksgiving break or something like that that I went to high school with. And I only share this with you guys. It's not like a hype up Sophia moment. This is just a real, this is just, re this is my life. This is real. And I'm sharing it with you just to know that like me and Drew and JD and Ryan and Amanda, we don't stand up here to be like, look how easy it is, because it's not. When my friends, my best friend's mom tell me I made her sick, like that's not, that's not warm and fuzzy, that's horrible. But it's worth it because of Jesus. A couple months ago, like I was just saying, apparently a group of people were sitting at dinner and like reminiscing, they all hadn't seen each other since high school, and the guy who was telling me this story was like, I promise I wasn't joining in, but I just have to tell you that they were like ripping on you in this conversation for being a Christian. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's been eight years and God bless them, but I haven't thought about a single one of them <laughs> since I graduated from high school. So what is so dang important to rip through about somebody? It's not just what, who I was in high school. It's not the fact that I wore a pink shirt one day. It's not the fact that I did, I was on this team or whatever. They were persecuting me and dragging my name through the mud because of one man, and that is Jesus. But it's not easy to hear. I completely acknowledge that it's not easy to hear that. It's not easy to stand alone. It's not easy to stand fast. It is not your first instinct to be like, you know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna defy the entire culture around me. That's what I'm gonna do. It's not easy. That is not our first instinct. It is normally, if not our completely last resort, it's somewhere between X, Y, and Z down there right, like in the SpongeBob movie, Plan Z, that Plankton has, you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like the very last thing we wanna do is stand up and go, you know what, I'm gonna completely counterculture this thing. So we get it, we wanna run, we wanna hide, we wanna step back, we wanna put distance between, it's like the zoo. We wanna put distance between us and the lions. We don't wanna go touch those lions. But it's not brute strength or great charisma that convinces us or convicts us into saying, yes, I will, it's love. The only catalyst to you saying, yes, I will, instead of, heck no, for lack of a better word, Right? The only motivator for you saying, yes, I will, because you've tried, I know you have, you've tried to do it with brute strength and it doesn't work. I know that you've tried to do it with eloquent words and great speech and charisma and thinking, oh, that's gonna win all of my friends over. It doesn't work. The thing that works, the thing that motivates you to stand up in the face of those lions is one thing and it's love. And love is not a feeling, love is not a tingly, love is not this warm, ooh, embrace that goes away sometimes. Love is a person. Love is a person who went on a cross and did everything that we just talked about over the last five weeks to prove that love. Because if we, or excuse me, if Jesus can remain, we can too, right? The only reason that we can remain is because Jesus remained. The only reason that we can speak up when everybody else is silent is because Jesus spoke up. The only reason that we can hold fast when the winds of culture are swirling around us, the only reason that we can anchor ourselves is because Jesus did it too. Jesus was persecuted, he was spit on, 
He was mocked in the streets, right? The only reason that we get to speak truth is because Jesus was truth itself. Jesus spoke the truth. Jesus stood alone. Jesus hung alone, naked, humiliated, beaten half to death, had to carry his own cross. It's not just a fun and games, oh, sometimes I'll stand, sometimes I won't, because if it's a sometimes, it's really a never, let's be honest. And there's been opportunities, and I know it because you guys, I used to look at the lunch tables at my high school and be like, I heard Judah Smith be like, you know, one time he was like, I would stand on the lunch tables of my high school and preach the gospel to my quad. And so I, I don't know if you guys know who Judah Smith is. Anyways, he's a preacher. But I listened to that and I was like, yeah, I could do that too. So I went back to my high school and I was like sitting at lunch one day and I was like, the chances of me getting up on that table are actually slimmer than an alien coming down and having a conversation with me right now in this conversation. Like it's just not gonna happen. I'm looking at the lunch table and I'm like, mm, yeah, gonna pass. There's no way. And I honestly think Judah Smith was probably lying. I'm like, I don't know how somebody gets on their lunch table in the middle of lunch and is like, do you know who Jesus is? Like, I mean, even at Oaks Christian, like where does a Christian school? Like that's not, that's not happening. We don't hear about that, right? And so it's not easy. There is zero motivation to make a fool of yourself for Jesus other than Jesus. And so if you don't know him, you have no reason. If you don't know Jesus, there is no reason for this series. There is no reason to stand up and make a fool of yourself. But when you know him, like I know you guys do, and you see an injustice, or you see something that is just not what he has for somebody, Take an analogy like this. If you've got like a friend at school that's getting bullied, right? So there's three groups of people in this story. There's me, there's my friend getting bullied, then there's the bullies. Oftentimes, people that are bullies are popular, right? We've all seen like Mean Girls, High School Musical. Actually, I actually don't know if there was any bullying in High School Musical, but when they all get up on the tables and they're like, stick to the stuff you know, right? That whole part, it's not cool. So there's me, person getting bullied, bullies. And I wanna say something because it's not right that my friend's getting condemned and guilted and shamed for being the way that they are. It's just not right. I don't care what they're doing, it's not right for you to condemn somebody like that and to bully them for no reason. But there's a big old distance between me and talking to those bullies and the distance that is created it gets built up over time by thoughts. Thoughts like, what are they gonna think about me? Thoughts like, am I even good enough to be in the popular people's presence? Thoughts like, will I have a social life after this experience, right? Thought after thought after thought. Oftentimes, the things that get between you remaining and speaking up and holding fast and speaking the truth and standing alone, oftentimes, if not every single time, there are thoughts that have created a big old distance between you and yes, I will. And sometimes those thoughts are, you suck, you're a loser, you're ugly, no one's ever gonna love you, you'll never get into that school, you'll never, you'll never, you'll always, you'll never, you'll never. 
Those thoughts are lies. They're complete and utter lies. And tonight we are going to address those lies because has there ever been a time, and I actually want audience participation on this, has there ever been a time when you have wanted to say something about something and you have it because you're scared? Let me see your hands. Okay, so all of us have experienced it, praise the Lord, right? We've all experienced a time where there's been like, I should've, but I didn't, right? You always have the best comebacks in the car. You're driving away from that situation and you're like, and I would've said this and she would've had nothing else to say, right? Like that's how we go about it. Because truth could have been spoken, but because of thoughts of comparison or thoughts of depression or thoughts of, do I even have anything to offer this situation? Could I talk to these bullies and they'll actually listen or they're just gonna dismiss me like a little bug on their windshield and wipe me away, right? I know we've all had those thoughts. And this isn't even thoughts of just standing up for an injustice, you guys. This is, yes, I will stand alone, knowing that I am confident in who God made me to be. If God asks you to go apply for that big school and you're horrified to do it and no one is supporting you and you have all these thoughts of you suck, you'll never get in, what about the money, blah, 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 all this stuff, but God Almighty, the one who will not let you come out of this situation smelling like smoke or having a scratch on you says, hey, I want you to go for it. Can we go for it? Can we, yes, I will that situation, right? If it's trying to approach somebody that you're interested in, let's get really fun for a second. If you're interested in somebody, but something is holding you back from that, and God's like, go for it. But the thoughts of, I'm not, I'm definitely not in their league, right? And I'm not just saying like, you know, we all have those thoughts of like, well, could I, couldn't I? But sometimes those thoughts get so deep that you're laying awake at night not knowing what to do with yourself. You wanna change everything about yourself. You're looking up every diet plan in the freaking universe to try to shed a few pounds to think, that's what's gonna get me my husband. That's what's gonna get me my girlfriend. That's what's gonna change me, right? You're looking into things that you shouldn't be looking at because it's the only thing that gives you gratification and satisfaction when you are by yourself trapped in between your ears with those thoughts. It's not popular to be abstinent. It is not popular to not swear. It is not popular to stay home on a Friday night. It is not popular to be in this room at five o'clock on a Sunday, but you're all here. Yeah, I know it's cool, it's fun, I love HSM, but how many of you get made fun of for going to church? Anyone wanna show their hand on that? How many of you have had somebody be like, you're going, hmm? you're wasting your time on what, right? And a lot of times it's coming from our family, right? Why are you wasting your time with something like that? But you guys are choosing in the face of that to say, no, yes, I will go serve my God and praise him and love him publicly. Because it's like we said before, it's not brute strength. It's not a charismatic conversation with your grandma that's ripping you to shreds for being a Christian or having a religion right? It's not brute strength of, I can muscle through this because that doesn't work. It's not a charismatic response. What it is, is it's love that's convicted you because love reached into your darkness and desperation and yanked you out of it. Love shut the mouths of the lions and said, not my kid. Mm -mm. Love was the one who went on a cross 
who got holes in his hands, holes in his side, back completely flayed open, feet with holes in them, just so that you could know that he loves you. It was love that bore a crown of thorns so that your mind could be free from the thoughts that try to harm you. These thoughts are not, again, I'm acknowledging completely that it is not easy to stand up in the face of culture. And that these thoughts that just get perpetuated day after day, scroll after scroll, conversation at school after conversation at school with a teacher or a peer or whatever it is, these thoughts are not being like, your friends at school aren't like, hey, I'm gonna take a day off of making fun of you for being a Christian. Anyone of your friends ever said that to you? I'm gonna take the day off from being your bully today. You know what? And the devil's certainly not saying, you know what? You have had enough. You are a tired girl. I'm just gonna wait a couple of days. I'll come back to plague you on Friday. He doesn't say that because it's relentless and it's horrible and it's evil. Evil doesn't let up. But Jesus bore evil on his head so that you could be free in your mind. It says in Mark 15, 17, it says, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, twisting together a crown of thorns and they put it on him. And they began to salute him, hail king of the Jews. And this is the worst ever. And they were striking his head with a reed and splitting, excuse me, spitting on him, kneeling down in homage to him. They were mocking him. They were spitting on him. They put a crown of thorns into the head of the one you love. And they hit him over that head with a bat to drive those thorns into his mind. This isn't even, you guys, the cross hasn't even happened yet. If Jesus did all of this so that you could know his love for you and still reject it, how much more can we who have accepted the love of Jesus say, yes, I will. Yes, I will stand up and stand alone when there is literally nobody next to me. In Psalm 91, it says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. The band's gonna come up and we're gonna, we're gonna activate this a little bit because I don't just wanna be all talk and no game about what to do with these thoughts, but you guys, these thoughts that are holding you back, they're lies. They don't get to own you anymore. That chasm doesn't have to be so wide anymore. That God Almighty took that crown of thorns so that your mind could be sound. So when you see an injustice or when you do wanna apply to that school or you do wanna ask out that girl or you do just wanna have a happy life without this struggling, tormented thought process all the time of am I good enough? Can I do it? Am I ever going to be worth it to somebody? Jesus literally tore the veil so that your thoughts could be sound and your mind could be safe in his hands and in his love. And so what we're gonna do, we can use the prayer wall tonight if you'd like to do that, but we've got pieces of paper and pens over back on the um, ping pong table. And we want you guys to write down the thoughts that hold you back from saying, yes, I will remain. What stops you from remaining when we come back from camp? What is the thing that gets in between you and obedience steadily after we come back from a camp or a missions trip, right? What stands in between you and speaking up? 
What stands in between you and holding fast? Say, Lord, why do I let go every time it gets hard? I want to hold fast to you, right? What gets in the way of you and speaking the truth? What is bombarding you from standing alone when nobody else is around? Because you guys, you aren't alone. You're really not alone. Jesus was forsaken by his father while he was hanging on the cross so that we would never have to be alone again. He literally on the cross says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God turned his face away from his beloved Jesus so that he could look in your face again and say, you are worth it. You've always been worth it. You've never not been worth it. It doesn't matter what every single person around you, what all of culture is trying to say against you. It doesn't matter because I pick you. And I don't just pick you because you're cool. And I don't just pick you because you're a good person. I pick you because I love you. So we're going to go back to those tables and we're going to write down those things. And I want you, we have three crowns of thorns. You guys can turn around and kind of see them in the darkness over there. There are three little mannequin heads with crowns of thorns, actually from Israel, which is pretty cool, around them. And I want you guys to write down these things that torment your mind. The things that just yank you backwards from making any stride in Christ. And I want you to write it down on those pieces of paper and wedge it onto those thorns because Jesus did not get beaten over the head with a bat, with thorns driven into his skull so that we could be tormented anymore. It is time for us to be free, to be able to stand in the face of persecution and say, I don't care if they're sitting over at Stonehouse making fun of me eight years later. I don't care if their mom says that I make her sick. I don't care. I don't care because I love you, Jesus. And that's it. That's enough for me. It's enough for me. So those are going to be in the back available for you. And then when you write something down, we have these little stickers that say walk through fire. Walk through the fire. I don't know if there's enough for everybody. But if you need a reminder that you can walk through that fire and not smell like smoke. I want you to grab one of these and put it where you're gonna see it. Could be your water bottle, could be your laptop, could be your mirror, could be your visor in your car, wherever your phone can, I don't care. Wherever, we invest in things like this so that you guys can be reminded over and over again that Jesus is in the fire with you. He is unbinding you from the things that have tried to hold you down and he is setting you free, not smelling like smoke from that situation. It could be a hard home life. It could be friends. It could be whatever, school, job, sports. Use this as a tool. Write down those things. Don't leave here being bound in your mind by those thoughts anymore. Use the resources and look at that crown, even if it pokes you. And you go, ow, it's not being beaten into you like it was into Jesus. We serve a beautiful king who gave his perfect life for our messy life so that in the face of any opposition, we can say, yeah, I totally will. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. Jesus, you are worthy of every single ounce of our affection and our praise. There is literally nobody 
more worthy than you, Jesus. Jesus, you unbound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from that fire. Lord Jesus, you shut the mouths of those lions for Daniel. And right now, here, in February of 2024, Lord Jesus, you are setting us free from the torment of our minds. We seek you, Lord. We praise you. We love you. And we magnify you in this place. pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a part.